This is the MMA Takes Podcast with your host, Brian Petrie. Hopefully, 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 you beautiful people out there in YouTube land, or what? Podcast land. Uh, Hopefully, you guys are seeing the new logo because uh, sometimes it's a little finicky. Sometimes you see it, sometimes you don't. Uh, Hopefully, you guys... um, Someone was messing with my board. I got all jacked up. Anyway, the new logo show, huh? What do you think about it, right? What do you think? It's pretty awesome. I shared it on all social media. I'm very proud of it. I think the artist did a fantastic job. And speaking of that, of course, I'm not prepared. I've been chomping at the bit to get on here all day. There's so much to talk about with the fights this weekend. I had a fantastic weekend. Um... We're going to get it to everything, right? This is going to be a little bit longer of a show, I guess. Maybe we'll push an hour, maybe. Um, I got some things to talk about, right? We're just going to kind of whatever. I always keep like to keep a pace, right? And um, yeah, so anyway, new logo. Hopefully, you're staring at an iTunes, Spotify, where, or Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your, wherever you ingest your podcast at. Hopefully, you're staring at the logo. I'm sure if you're listening, you've seen it on social media. If you have not... Follow me, MMA Takes Podcast on Instagram, MMA Takes Podcast on Twitter. I'm more active on Twitter, but I like the Instagram as well. And then uh, MMA Takes Podcast on YouTube, which, again, I put out a, a, a pick on podcast, went live. Pretty fun to do. I had a total of two viewers at one point. One viewer the entire time, probably my mom. And then two, I talked out at two viewers. Need to pump that out. I want some questions. I want some feedback. I want you, I want you to tell me why I'm wrong, and I'll tell you why I'm right. I want that. Anyway, new logo is fucking sick. I'll tell you how I got there. First and foremost, Fiverr.com. Fiverr.com is an awesome website where you can hire people to get basically anything done that is um, really, I think they do everything besides maybe come and clean your house. I have my intro music. That was Fiverr.com. Paid 10 bucks for that about a couple years ago. Awesome. Best 10 bucks ever spent. My old logo the blue logo with me from the side, all serious. That was Fiverr as well. That artist did a fantastic job. That was what I came up with. This artist, though, Furman Awaladin, okay? F-I-R-M-A-N underscore A-W-L-A-U-D-I-N, right? She, I believe it's a girl. Um, Maybe not. I don't know. Furman, is that a girl? The picture... Picture of her uh, is a girl. Anyway, she's from Indonesia, right? She's uh, she did uh, she did the artwork. I hired two people. We'll get into it. So, I'm a huge Roadhouse fan, as you guys know. I end the show every show with the with the scene from Roadhouse where you know Dalton gets physical for the first time. One of my greatest movies all time. Reason being, it's absolutely dog shit, right? But it's so good. And also, not to get all sappy or whatever. Had a little rough childhood growing up, you know, with my father and stuff, real father. You know, we're not going to get in the weeds of it, but my real dad and I did not get along. He got remarried, or had some different kids, apparently, but it wasn't whatever. I'm not going to get into the Jerry Springer aspect of it. However, I had this uh, little brother, I guess you want to call him. I was I was raised until I was probably about 16, 17 to believe he was my little brother. Um when we were about maybe 10 or 11, we watched that movie all the time. We loved it. We literally watched Roadhouse together all the time. So I've always had an affinity for Roadhouse. And then as I got older, and I and I am a movie guy. I love movies. It's just so bad that it's good, right? And I love Swayze. Swayze's a, a phenomenal actor. He's a country guy that did ballet dancing. He's, he's a wild, wild guy. It's crazy. You know, R.I.P. Swayze. <clears throat> anyway, I had the VHS version. 
And then it bombed in the box office. It sold really well on VHS. So they just kept making DVDs of it, right? So in the late 90s, I was at Blockbuster, and they had a DVD. And that was the cover is basically the cover I had, right? It's never the cover I've seen before. You can It was the deluxe edition. They had like some deleted scenes, some like commentary or some shit like that. I don't know. But it was my first DVD. I purchased it. I take really good care of my stuff now. When I was a kid, I did not. I do not have that DVD. It breaks my heart that I do not own that. I lost it somewhere. I broke it. I threw it away. I did something, right? I'm a little idiot fucking late teenager who didn't give a shit about anything. Anyway, I was sitting there thinking about a new logo just because I was like, you know what? The one that I got is cool, but it's like, you know, the artist did great. She did exactly what I wanted, but it was like a little serious. And I kind of took some inspiration from other podcasts, right? that do the same thing. And I knew I didn't want like gloves and I didn't want like cages and fire and all that bullshit for like an MMA podcast. It's a little too on the nose and not really me. Um, and then I thought of the roadhouse thing. It just popped in my head and my wife's a fantastic artist, but unfortunately we do not have the tools for her to do that. So then I went to Fiverr, fiverr.com and, uh, I wanted it in GTA style artwork. Now roadhouse it keeps a special place in my heart because of, you know, my brother. And I say that in quotations, we grew up on it. I still watch the movie. I still get great memories from it. I, I could probably literally quote the movie, the, the entire movie to you. Um, and then GTA three on PlayStation two was the very first video game that I played that I was like, Holy shit. I loved my video games growing up. I loved Madden. I love say I started with Sega, went to PlayStation, PlayStation two. I love Madden. I used to play the wrestling games, but GTA three, when you could literally, this is sick sounding now, but you could literally hire a hooker banger killer and get your money back. I went, what is this? This is like the coolest thing ever. And obviously GTA is throughout the history. I played all of them. They're all fantastic, but they do that kind of artwork. It's called 21st century comic book art. And so that's what I wanted. I wanted the roadhouse thing, but of course me and instead of the, the bar, I wanted my podcast set up and then, uh, the girl killed it. Furman, Abeldeen, um, she's on Fiverr. You can look her up. I might put her in, uh, I can tweet her out. If you it, no, you know what, if you, if you are really interested in getting some kind of artwork done and DM me, tweet me, whatever, it doesn't matter. And I'll send you her link. Cause she's fantastic. So what I did was, is I hired two people. I hired both of them do GTA art. And I've talked about it before. The one guy said he delivers in 24, 48 hours. Eh, he did not. He delivered in like five days. Furman, she was like five days, right? Give me five days. So the guy delivered in the middle of the night. He was from Bangladesh, right? He delivered in the middle of the night. And I looked at it. My wife was laying next to me. She was awake. It was like two in the morning. I woke up. I got, I got the Fiverr notification. I look at it. I liked it, right? I thought it was funny. Um, I look fucking super jacked, which I didn't tell him to do. He probably could just tell from the picture I sent. I just took a picture from my head up. He could probably tell from the picture I sent him. I was fucking jacked. Um, so he made me super muscly, but my face looked a little rough and my hair was like blonde. And then it looked like to me that he just basically sent the photo that I sent him and put it into some kind of program and then just kind of like cartooned it a little bit. Like, I feel like the only thing he drew was me and my face and everything else in the background was just literally a picture into a program and it wasn't even drawn. And so I liked it, you know, you know, he was the more expensive one too. So I add, uh, the idea I had was to add some money on the table. So he had the money and then whatever. So then I was waiting on her. She had like two hours to finish. I was at work and she sent me the final thing and it was great. And I said, Whoa, I said, the only thing is if you could add money 
it, it was an afterthought. If you could just add a bag of money to the table, right? About an hour later, she sends it to me back with a little cash on the table, right? And I said, oh, awesome. She killed it. She's amazing. I don't want to throw the other guy on the bus. I'm going to keep that logo. I paid for it. Um, but when you really look at them side by side, you're like, whoa, it's a difference. Like the guy, it's not even really, what he did wasn't even really GTA art, really. It was just like a cartoon version of what I wanted. She nailed it. She nailed the GTA theme of what I was going for. And uh, I'm very excited. I'm going to put it on a t-shirt. If you guys want t-shirts, I've tried to sell t-shirts before. No one buys them, but I'm definitely going to rock one. Uh, but yeah, it's a sick logo. It's it's cool. Um, I'm glad I got it done. And she did a fantastic job. I'm going to feel terrible if it's a guy. The logo, the, her logo is a, a cartoon of a woman. And I don't know if Furman is a girl or a guy's name. Let me look that up, right? We got time. I told you we're going long today. Furman, male or female name. Let's see. Furman, male or female name. Baby name guesser. When naming your baby Furman, it's important to agenda to name itself. When people look at the name Furman, they may, a Furman is the first name. Or baby name. What does the name Furman mean? Okay. Girls, boys, first, last. Boys name meaning. Name meaning in origin. I don't know. It's a Muslim name, it says. Fuck it. I don't know. Did it, I thought Google was going to do a little more than that. So hopefully you like the new logo. If you don't, you can kick rocks. I think it's badass. What, speaking of badass, we had some amazing fights this weekend. Incredible card. I went over my buddies, my buddy I work with who listens to this podcast. He's been trying to get me to go over his house for a while for fights. I'm very, I like watching fights by myself. Sometimes I go over my buddy Steve's house because we've been watching fights since we were like 15 together. But generally, I like watching the fights by myself. I like watching Bengals games by myself too. I'm a little, I'm passionate, right? I get into it. Um, this wasn't a pay-per-view card. It was a great card, right? I had a lot of bets in, but he's been asking for a while and, uh, he's always had too small of a TV. That's the truth. It was like a 43 inch TV. That's way too fucking small. He got a really nice 70 inch TV a few months ago. He's been inviting me over. It didn't really pan out this weekend. His wife went out of town. Erica was off my wife. So she stayed with, with, with a Winnie, my daughter and me. And then <clears throat> a couple of buddies from work went over there <clears throat> And watch the fights, and they're fantastic. You know, he, my buddy who 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 hosts it, he's not a casual fan. He watches pretty much every weekend. He enjoys it. Um, he he he's all in on on the sport. He really really likes it. So it was exciting to watch it with him. And then the two other guys, they're very below casual. They're novices. They're they're slowly getting to it. They're they're gambling a little bit, but they're not all the way in yet. And I think this is a perfect card for guys like that to watch because it was a very exciting card. We had a couple duds. But some sick knockouts. I mean, Jaquan Buckley's knockout was insane. Corey Sanhagen, phenomenal. Um, so it was a really good card. So I had a really good time over there. They're all boozed up, right? Well, not well, two of them were. The hope, my host, the host, my buddy who hosted, he was uh, he was sauced up trying to get me to drink. Ah, you know, I was I was thinking about it. I was thinking about just taking a beer and just chugging it in their face and be like, all right, we're done. Cause I don't drink not because it's like a, a personal choice where I don't I don't like alcohol. I do like drinking. I used to like drinking. It just doesn't uh, go. I think I'm allergic to it. I think my blood or whatever in my body just just doesn't handle alcohol well. Um, I used to literally used to be able to drink and never get a hangover. And about 22, 23, <clears throat> I started getting hangovers. I'm like, it's just not worth it. Like, what am I doing with my body? But awesome card. Awesome Saturday night. Your boy went nine and four in his picks. But I killed the betting. I killed the betting. I won two parlays, lost one parlay, won all my bets straight, won the props, won two parlay props. Um, I killed it. 
I killed it. Nine to four of my picks. Luckily, those four fights that I uh, that I uh, lost, I did not bet besides the KB Buller fight. He kind of fucked me. But other than that, I avoided all the other fights, right? Yeah. Okay. So we'll go over the card. Awesome card. First fight of night to gear. Look at Bukatov, right? Fucking nailed it, probably. Tagir Ulam Biktov versus Bruno Silva. A lot closer fight. Um, Tagir was a minus 420 favorite. I had him in a parlay as well. He had a grunt this one out. You know, this is Khabib's training partner. This is Khabib's guy that's been training with him forever. I saw a lot of hate on Twitter where they're like, just because you train with Khabib doesn't mean you're good. Well, I mean, I get it. He's in the same room. He's a little bit lighter. Uh, I believe he was probably trained by Khabib's dad, RIP. Um, but he looked pretty good stand-up wise. His, his his takedowns were obviously there. Bruno Silva, they both gassed out. If Silva just had a little more in the gas tank in the third round, I think he would have won. I think it was a very close fight. My buddy thought Silva would have won. Uh, thought he won, excuse me. Tagir maybe would have got maybe the, the decision because they're in Fight Island. I don't know. I didn't see a lot of too much protest on this fight. Um, it was a good fight. It was it was a solid fight. Not a coming out party at 125 for either guy. I mean, Bruno Silva's been around for a little bit, but Tagir, listen, you get a little bit more cardio and you you took a lot of shots. You got some good wrestling. You're definitely not Khabib in the wrestling aspect, but you know, at 125, you're gonna need some cardio. And he he definitely slowed down a little bit. It was a very high pace. I'll give him that, but he's gonna need a little more. Next up, Chase Cortez versus Stephanie Egger. A lot of people that I was with Saturday night and some people via text, so I'm not going to call them out, Tim. They don't think Tracy Cortez is all that hot. They're like, she's not that hot. Uh, what? I think she's a fucking dime. She's a 10. She's gorgeous. Right? Tim thinks Rachel Ostrovich is hotter than Tracy. I, you know, to each his own. But Tracy Cortez is a baddie. And guys I was with, or two guys I was with on Saturday were like, nah. What? Anyway, Tracy Cortez fought Stephanie Egger. Egger, listen, this girl had some chops. She came in. Black belt, judo black belt, really good on the ground, good submissions, has fought some quality competition outside the UFC. I got this fight right. I kind of predicted it how it would go. Tracy Cortez just really kind of roughed her up and made it ugly and was a little bit stronger in there. And just Edgar was happy to play bottom. And then after the second and third round, like entering the third round, you shouldn't be happy playing bottom anymore, right? Unless you're a killer, killer off your back, which Edgar might be. Cortez is stopping. You got to go game plan B, right? B, C, whatever. You got to start moving. Cortez just really just looked really good in this fight. Looked composed. Did not really get caught with anything. A couple armbar attempts, but nothing crazy. Bust her up on the feet. Took her down whenever she wanted. And uh, this is a high-level black belt in Edgar. And Cortez just smothered her and, and dominated the fight. And it was a really good win for her. And I think sky's the limit for Cortez because I think she's beautiful. She's 8-1. She's in a division where, you know, 135 is kind of the premier division in women's MMA right now, I think. Right? 115s maybe, right? 115 I think has better talent, but 135 I think they have more girls. There's more people 135 than 115, but there's more talent 115. Does that make any sense? Either way, Cortez I think is a player here. I mean, there might be a ranking next to her name if she's not ranked already. All right, next up, Giga Chikatse versus Omar Morales. Hmm. Hmm. This was MMA Takes Underdog Lock, and we hit it again. I am on fire. Listen, I don't, I'm not the most modest guy in the world. Got a little bit of ego, got some confidence in me. Shoot me, right? But when your boy is killing it with months hitting his mortal locks, months hitting his underdog locks, I mean, whoo, 
Jiga Takatse, I knew this fight. I thought it in my plums that this fight was going to go the way it went. Amar Morales coming down to 145 after being a pretty beefy 155er. Um, older, 35, cutting the weight, didn't love it. Jika Katatse, a little bit of a gas tank issue for sure. He definitely slowed down this fight, but his striking is just that much better. You're not going to outpoint Jiga. Omar, the only opportunity he had was the knockout Jiga, and I just didn't think he was going to get the opportunity. Omar got his fucking legs kicked out in the beginning of the fight. Jiga stopped kicking. I think he broke his foot. Uh, that's why he stopped kicking his, his lower calf on, a, on Morales was pretty fucked up. Competitive fight, close fight. Both guys gave it all out, but I thought Giga outclassed him on the feet. Good underdog play by me. I took this straight up. I went heavy on it. And after the third fight of the night, no matter what happened, the rest of my bets, I was up. That's a beautiful motherfucking feeling. And uh, Giga Kazatze looked really good. Listen, if he cleans up his cardio, he's a problem at 145, right? He looked tough to take down. And Morales isn't a world-class wrestler, but he is strong. Giga's long for the division. His striking is really good. He switches stances really well. Doesn't have the biggest power. He dropped Morales a few times with some switch. He was switching his stances a lot. Straight left hand, straight right hands. Um, his kicks are really deadly, but he's not the most powerful guy in the world. But at 145, I think he can, if he cleans up the cardio and he, and he still works on his ground game, right? Because his, 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 his kryptonite, essentially, in the past is getting taken down, getting submitted, getting taken down, getting laid on. There's a lot of really solid grapplers and wrestlers at 145, so he's got to clean that up. Um, Giga does, but his striking, I think, is world-class. It is world-class. There's no I think it is. It is world-class. Um, a lot of kickboxers, they come over, and they have that point-fighting style where they're just happy to kind of, you know, it's almost like, like I said, it's like a rhythm thing. They get in a rhythm, and MMA is a little different because guys are trying to break your rhythm, and they're going to make it ugly. And then your striking doesn't mean shit when you're trying to make it beautiful and this and that. Giga is slowly coming out of that and becoming a more evolved MMA striker. I think his leg kicks, his body kicks are great, and I think his hands look really sharp. Um, he got a little wild in there, and, and it, he kept a really high pace in that first round. I think that's why he slowed down in the third round. But great fight, great underdog pick by me. Everyone give me a round of applause. Thank you. Hopefully, wherever you're listening to this, you're clapping. If people around you and they don't know what you're listening to, it doesn't matter. Just keep clapping. Just keep clapping. Go on. I'm going to take a drink. Keep clapping. Next up, Tony Kelly versus Al Akasi. Akasi, uh, Kelly was a high favorite here. I picked Kelly on my heart pick. This was my MTV caged. I used to watch a reality show. Heart pick. Tony Kelly versus Al Akasi. Uh, Ali, excuse me. Is it Ali or Al? Ali. <clears throat> Tony Kelly looked great at 135. Looked huge. This fight was weird, right? Like Tony Kelly... Almost had a submission in that first round. Was in a triangle, then an arm bar. Do not know how Ali didn't tap. Yes, he was on the bottom, but he was threatening. I don't know how you give that first round to Ali. I don't know how you do it, right? Second round, he dropped Ali. Ali got the takedown, but he dropped Ali in that second round, and then he dropped him in the third round. I believe it was 30-27, 29-28, 29-28 was the decision, I believe. I personally gave Tony Kelly three rounds. I just don't know how you give it to Ali. The third round was fairly close, but Ali got finished almost like three times. He was aggressive. I think Tony Kelly's fight IQ needs to improve a little bit. I know he's happy playing the ground game. I know he's happy with his guillotine choke. I know he likes his chokes. But when you got a guy rocked and he's very sticky, he's his, he's just, all he is is arms. He's just grabbing you. And Ali works really, really good underhooks when you get to the ground. If you watch that fight, when Tony dropped him and he's going to mount, first thing Ali do is get an underhook. So he's getting his way back up. He's just so sticky on you. You need to get away from that. You need to stand up. doesn't matter you won the fight. I thought he looked could have looked a little better in this fight. Um, Ali doesn't have the best striking. He's just going to be kind of one of those grinders that's going to get in there. 
the, he could easily be 2-0 in the UFC with just two really ugly, scrappy wins. I think he lost both fights for sure, but on a good night, on a good night for Ali, he could easily be 2-0 if that makes any sense because he's just one of those grimy, ugly fighters that are going to get some Ws here and there, and they're not going to look all that impressive. And then all of a sudden, you, when you look at it, they're going to be 5-3, and three, and you're like, shit, who would he beat? And all of a sudden, he's squeaking out victories here and there, and then they fight some fucking big dogs, and they get put on their ass, and they get you know, they get sent back down. I'm glad Ali, the type of fighter he is, is 0-2 because I don't really like that style. I don't really think he has much to offer. He does have a good guillotine choke. But other than that, he's just really sticky. He's 8-5. He's an exciting fighter. Both his fights in the UFC have been great. Tony Kelly, both his fights have been fighting the night. They've been awesome. There was a little heat after the fight. Uh, I think it was maybe a little bit of a language barrier thing or, or whatever. Um, but, yeah, I think Kelly's going to be a problem at 135. I like him. He's a little older. He's 32. I don't know how easy that weight cut's going to be, but I like how he's been active since he hasn't really been active his whole career. He's only got nine fights, so he's not he's not weared out a lot. A um, little slow at 135 for me. Uh, I, I will say that his, his striking looked a little slow to me. Tony Kelly did, but he is big, so he's going to be the big body down there. All right, next up, this fight. I mean, God, you've seen this everywhere. We'll talk about this later as well, but Jaquin Buckley, Jaquan Buckley, Jaquin, I wish I learned how to pronounce that name, versus Impa Kasanane, nailed that name. I Kasanane here. This was a this was a tough one for me. <clears throat> After I picked this, I listened to a few podcasts, a few people. Buckley was a, a, a really good underplay, plus 210. I missed it. I would have probably never played Buckley, if I'm being honest with you. I would have played Impa 9 out of 10 times, even though there is some value on the Buckley side. He's very powerful. He's very good. He looked great in this. I think the most important thing, besides the incredible fucking knockout, was that this guy got knocked out not too long ago by Kevin Holland. Like, he got slept in a really good fight. He's coming back fairly quickly. His second stint in the UFC, second fight in the UFC, so there's a lot of nerves. He's fighting an up-and-coming, undefeated guy who's fighting, who's coming out the contender series. that has got a little bit of hype around him. A lot of people like him. And you step in there, and, and you're fucking throwing daggers with him. You're throwing hands with him. And you're showing out. Your chin is holding up, right? He rocked Impa in the first round. He rocked him pretty much every exchange. He was the faster guy in there. He's a more powerful guy. And then that kick is just, I mean, you, you just don't see that every day. It was unbelievable. It's a Taekwondo kick. I've seen guys try it before, but it was the opposite way where a guy would do a front kick or they catch their foot in the front and then they'll come up with a, like, you know, like a sweeping roundhouse kick on the other leg. I've never seen the spinning wheel kick, back kick. It was a back kick, but a spinning back kick to the fucking jaw. One of the greatest knockouts you've ever seen. I feel feel for Impa because he's one of like the nicest, sweetest guys. His fucking post fight or his just congratulating Buckley is just it's an incredible sportsmanship. This guy's gonna, you know, hopefully he rebounds well. He's got some good confidence with him. I know he's listen, he's he's taking us well, but that could be just smoke and mirrors. I'm I'm hoping his first loss as a pro athlete, he's taking it well. I feel like he's got some good people around him. So <clears throat> but Buckley. Listen, this kid, this kid has been in two fights in the UFC. He's one and one. No shame in losing to Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland's a fucking stud. Fight Impa, who, yeah, he's a little he hasn't been fighting MMA a little bit, but he's eight and one. He's won every single fight he's ever fought. You come in and you put on a great performance and one of the fucking craziest knockouts you're ever gonna see that not only you're ever gonna see, but we're gonna see for the rest of time, right? It was insane knockout. Definitely top three knockouts I've ever seen in my life for sure. 
Don't ask me to rank them. I'm not there yet. I'm not in that mental space right now to rank them. They're up there. I mean, Masvidal's knee is incredible. Uh, this one, Uriah Hall's one on the Contender Series. I mean, they're all, they're all. I mean, Edson Barbell's wheel kick. We we can get through the weeds later, but right now, I'm savoring this. That was an incredible knockout. And again, we'll talk about this later with with some negative Nellies out there. Next up, Chris Dawkins, Rodrigo Nascimento. This is another fight I missed. I'm, I'm upset with myself, right? I was very confident not to see to I did not bet it because I thought he was way too high. I wouldn't touch it. Dawkins, the only way I thought he was going to win is if he, it was exactly what he did. Nascito just seemed so slow and unathletic in there. And, and Dawkins was undersized in this fight and just came out fucking like, listen, I'm going to hit you and you're going to go down. And when he dropped Rodrigo, he fell so slow. He got hit. He's like, oh. And it took him so long to hit the mat. Uh, good for Dawkins being a huge underdog here. This is one I missed. I usually get upset about when I miss underdog plays. I'm not super bummed about missing this one because, unfortunately, I don't think in a million years I would see this coming. I just don't know how high the ceiling for Chris Dawkins is. He's a good brawler. He's heavy-handed. But I need to see a little more skills with him. Luckily, he's in the heavyweight division where really the top three guys, top four guys are really super still guys, and the rest of them are going to get some knockouts here and there. He can make a living that way. I just don't see him being title contender. I don't see Nasacito being that, not uh, Nascimento being that either. However, I just thought maybe the fight would play out differently, but good for uh, Chris Dawkins because I definitely want to see him fight moving forward than Nascimento. Nascimento is a guy that's going to get in there, try to get you down and submit you. Big, slow, fucking ox of a man. And uh, Dawkins went out there and, and stumped him. Uh, next fight, Tom Brees versus KB Buller. This is. This is a fight I, I got a little greedy on, right? This is the one that bothers me because I picked KB Bueller. I broke it down very elegantly. I said, Tom Breeze has got these problems, right? I couldn't find footage on Bueller. And then they even talked about it on the, on the broadcast. They couldn't find anything on him. For some reason, this guy's footage is just fucking locked up. Apparently, you had to pay for some event that he was on. Um, like He had to pay for the full car to see him fight. There was some stuff online. Anyway. I couldn't find anything. I went on a blind based on the fact that I think Tom Brees is a little bit of a mental case. I don't know. I didn't know if he was going to even make it to the ring or to the cage. Excuse me. KB Buller, though, long, lanky striker. Tom Brees, really good striker. Tom Brees has problems with grappling. He looked big in there, though. He's looking like he's really filling out 185. KB Buller, I think maybe could be welterweight, really tall, lanky guy. Maybe stay at 85, size up just a little bit. Um, but Breeze went out there and just just literally destroyed Brewer. Brewer didn't have a shot. Dropped him with a jab, finished him on the ground. Uh, that that busted a parlay. I did not do Brewer straight. I was going to. I literally had it written down in my notebook. I crossed it out and put him in a parlay instead of doing it straight. Doesn't matter. I lost the parlay anyway. Uh, he was the only leg of the parlay I lost. So he might be my mortal enemy. I didn't put a ton of units on it, so I wasn't going to win. But listen, a win's a win. I don't unit shame. Your unit could be 50 cents. That's 50 cents that he just took from you that you could have doubled, right? So I don't care where your units are. I don't unit shame, but he he's a he's he's gonna be on my list. He might be on my Jimmy Crute shit list. He might be on my, you know, you bust a parlay up shit list. You know what I mean? So I'm gonna keep an eye on KB Buller, but he 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 just didn't look all that great to me, in, in, in my opinion. Breeze is a very good striker. He looked big, he looked strong. Bueller looked really long in there, right? But I mean, you got knocked out two minutes in the first round. Uh, that's all she, that's all she does. All right. Main card time. Leila Tapura versus you see Zala fight that I was really looking forward to fight that I cashed on. This is a fight. Listen, we, uh, I talked to a lot of people that love MMA. A lot of people like Zala in this position, young kid on a rise, 
fought some really good people. But when you look down and you looked at this fight stylistically, Zalal likes to wrestle. He's a really good striker. He's got some flash, but he likes to wrestle. Topora is a strong fucking grappler. He is not one to really be scrambling with on the ground. Now, they both kind of slowed down. I like to see a little more cardio coming out to Bora, but he looked fucking to Pura, excuse me, but he looked really fucking good. His striking looked really good. I told you he's very composed. I'm just regurgitating everything I said. I broke this fight down perfect. Motherfucking perfect. Cashed on that. I wish I, I had him two ways, excuse me. I wish I propped it to go to decision. I did not pull that trigger, but I did have him in a parlay that cashed. Tad him straight. That's $200 caches right there with Giga and, and Tapura. Um, yeah, this kid's, this kid's a stud though. Tapura coming in. He's undefeated, 9-0. and He's got really good grappling. If you don't want to grapple with him, he'll stand with you a little bit. He'll mix it up really well. Zala's biggest issue for me was his fight IQ. He, 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 he gave up some takedowns early, so what did he want to do? Oh, I need to get those takedowns back. Bad idea when you're fighting a guy who's really good in scrambles and he's really strong as well. Zalal beat Zalal in this fight. I think if you would have kept it standing, oh, try as hard as you can to avoid those takedowns, kept it standing, this fight could have went a little differently because I think Zalal maybe has a little more flash on the feet. Topor is very capable on the feet as well. does hit hard, well well built. A lot of uh, sportsmanship shown respect of this fight. Big win by your boy. I love this pick. Um, not a lot of people I know have this pick, if you know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> Devin. <clears throat> Whoa, God, sorry. Whew, that's something in my throat there. What was, what was that? It's hard, guys. That was weird. Uh, next up, Tom Aspinovas, Alan Badot. Uh, this was a just, I mean, this shouldn't even have been. I mean, Aspinall is, is a legit heavyweight contender. This guy moves really well. He is a pro, ex-professional boxer, black belt on the ground. He fought Badat. If you looked at Alan Badot, Badat's record, he's fought nothing but bums. Probably shouldn't have been in the UFC. The reason he got the call in late notice was because he's 8-1. and one. Uh, And Aspinall went out there and, and destroyed him. Aspinall did not like his performance because he got hit a little bit. Right, He had to take it to the ground to finish it with some ground and pound. Thought he was going to win by submission. I had this fight as well. I had Aspinall on my uh, parlay. I also had him in uh, the finish the fight, which was actually pretty good odds. That was the other prop parlay I had. Um, so Aspinall cashed for me twice there. And uh, yeah, this guy, you got to give this guy a better competition, right? Aspinall needs to fight real, real guys. Chris Dawkins, they just fought on the same card. Let's put him on Halloween. Neither of them took a lot of damage. Put him on Halloween. That's a fight I want to see. There's a lot of heavyweight fights prospects are coming up that we got to figure out who's real who's not right because like i said earlier about Dawkins, he's going to get some knockouts here and there they're heavyweights if you put him against another heavyweight he's going to get sloppy but i want to see guys that rise to the top here steve bay's good steve bay's one foot out the door he's got maybe two three fights left we're gonna need some contenders for curtis blades we're gonna need some contenders for francis and ganyu depending how long they stick around so yeah uh aspinall is a guy i keep my eye on Drickus Duplassus versus Marcus Perez. Surprised by this. Uh, I took Duplassus. I did not bet this fight. No, no, excuse me. I had him in a parlay that lost. Uh, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, I, I went empty on this fight. Perez has never been knocked out, never been finished. Plassus knocked him out. Um, it was an interesting fight, right? Duplassus is a guy who's kind of a smaller 85er. He used to fight a lot at 70. Pretty bricked up, though. He's not, you know, uh, size-wise, He's not, I don't think he's undersized, but he can't make 170, but he has before. I think 185 might be his best weight class. Perez is a good size uh, 85er. He's never been knocked up before. Got a good record. Went in there, a little too arrogant, got caught by a punch that was kind of above the ear, behind the ear, that, that flatlined him, and it was over. Duplassus has some real fucking power. Uh, that was an easy win. I, I, listen, South African 
can give you to say common UFC. They like the world on fire, right? I like to see Deplasis move forward at 185. I think he called out Kevin Holland, which I like sometime in November. Get him in Vegas. Get him a quick turnaround. I like that. Uh, I think that's a good fight. Headweight fight, Tabora versus Brothwell. This fight stunk. Tabora won a decision. I had Rothwell. I, you know, I didn't bet this fight. I told you guys not to bet this fight. I figured this is how it would go. Rothwell gas after the first round. Couldn't get up off Tabora. Tabora came back. He lost the first round, came back. 129-28. Uh, yeah, I just I, I just won a good fight. Barboza versus Mir Connie. This is my mortal lock. I lost a parlay. Or excuse me. I lost a prop on this. I thought Barboza was going to finish. He dropped Mir Connie a b- bunch of times and not finished Mir Connie. Well, looked pretty good on the feet. He looked better than I thought. He, he didn't take as many kicks. He, he he got dropped with some hands a few times, some straight punches, and then just uh, looked a little. Um, he was he was capable on the feet, I guess. You know, I thought he was going to get steamrolled a little bit. Um, you know, he finally got Barboza down that third round, but it's too little, too too little, too late. He got dropped a bunch of times, and I think Americani stock went a little bit up, at least in my book, just because he went against one of the best in the world at 145 and and didn't get finished right, and and, and was competitive at some points and really. Looked to get him to the ground and got him to the ground. He almost got submitted himself. Barboza is strong at 145. Um, if he's got that weight cut down, 145 is going to be an interesting weight class for him. I, I want want to keep an eye on that moving forward. But, yeah, he looked really good. I wanted to finish. I got the mortal lock. I cashed on it. That was a, a parlay I hit um, as well. So Edson won me some money. But let's get that finished. Main event time. I mean, it was Corey Sanhanger versus Marlon Marais. Great band and weight bout here. Now... He doesn't like when I talk about him on the podcast. You know, he's, he's tried to yell at me before. I'm not there to defend myself. Well, you know what? Sorry. You know what I mean? It's not your podcast, bro. You're not my producer. You ain't going to tell me what to say and what not to say. So, Devin Todd and I are very competitive with our picks. He doesn't gamble, right? He just he just doesn't, right? He wants to gamble. He doesn't. I don't know if he has access to it. In Washington, I'm not really sure how that does. But he lives and dies by picks with no money online. He just picks, right? He was very confident in Marais. He thought the value was Marais. I had Sandhagen. I was very confident in Sandhagen. He swayed Tim to pick Marais. I suggested that Tim was a bad idea. Clearly, I was right. Now, I didn't think Sandhagen was a knockout Marais. Marais, listen, everyone said the value's on Marais' side. I actually disagree. I think the higher, the lower Marais went, the more it was on Corey side. I got Corey at 148. I think some books had him low as 130, minus 130. If he would have went any lower, I would have put my house on the line. Corey, it was just going to be too long, too better than Marais. Marais's only round was the first round. That's the only shot he had. And then you could tell when he hit Corey a couple times with that left hook and Corey's eye got a little red and he was hitting the body a little bit, you could tell that he was like, okay, so this guy's not going away right away. Let me slow my output down. Because midway through the first round, Morais just, just kind of became a statue a little bit. He was throwing back. He was trying to counter, but he wasn't as aggressive because he's like, I got five rounds of this. He knew, like, I got to fucking slow down because this is going to be a real problem. Um, but I disagree with all the experts. And everyone said, oh, the value is on Morais' side. Just because you're an underdog doesn't mean that's the value, right? The value is the guy who's going to win. Now, everyone has different opinions. My opinion was if Corey's this low, he he's that's the value because he's going to win this fight nine and ten times. Morais went on a nice tear there, was knocking dudes out, right? But let's quit bringing up the Aljamain Sterling fight because if Aljamain Sterling and Marlon Morais fought tonight, 
who are you picking, right? Say Marlon just didn't fight Corey. If this was supposed to be Aljo and Marlon rematch, who are you picking? I guarantee you of the body work since Aljo has fought Marais, he would be the favorite, and I would pick him to win. I think he beats Marais in a rematch. Marais knocked out Jimmy Robert, fantastic, right? He knocked out a Rafael Sunsal. When's the last time he won, right? He had a nice little tear there, but he also had some ugly fights. The whole Jose Aldo fight was ugly. He's got a name. He fought Henry Cejudo really well in those first rounds. But I think he's one of those guys that's been around long enough. This was his 30th fight that was like, I reached the UFC title shot. I came up short. Henry Cejudo won the greatest band weights of all time. I came up short. I had a really good first round. But I came up short. I think he's living off that. He's tried to switch camps, left Jersey, went to the American top team with his boy Edson. I don't think it's working. I think he's a little bit of a mental case, and I think he's a little bit washed right now. I think he can beat majority in 135 just because I think he has exceptional skill if those 135ers are fighting out a three-round fight because he can squeak by a decision. He doesn't have a chin problem, even though he just got knocked out by a wheel kick that was fantastic that no one saw coming. He said, congratulations, Corey. I thought it was a little early. I didn't think it was early. He, he fucking monkey rolled and, and, and then just got clipped on the way out. Corey's a finisher. Um, it was a fantastic performance. I thought that exactly was how the fight was going to go, minus the knockout. I thought Corey was going to look really good, work the body. He's going to take a hit to give a hit. He was working the body really well. He was avoiding the leg kicks and Marais really well. He was getting pieced up a little bit with the left hook. Marlon was countering really well with the left hook. He was leading with the hook well. Corey was throwing knees to the body, throwing good punches, and then just was mixing it up, was keeping him guessing. And Marlon, like I said, halfway that first round, he's starting to statue up a little bit. And then the cardio factors get in his head, right? And he goes, shit, I got five rounds of this. Corey can go five rounds, no problem. And he looked fantastic. So I'm glad I won. I'm glad I proved my worth. And I'm glad that I won money on this because I went heavy on Sanhagen. Final leg of my Hail Mary parlay. First time I hit a Hail Mary parlay in a while. My my betting advice for most people is when you do parlays, it's very tempting to go 10 bucks to win 500, 10 bucks to win whatever. I say chip away, right? Bet 50 with a two-fight parlay, bet 50 with a three-fight parlay. Don't really go higher than three, but bet 50 to win more or bet 100 on a two-fight parlay that you guarantee to win to win almost the same. Don't try to win it all in one go, which is great, but my Hail Mary parlay, which I always do, I'll put 10 bucks on it. Actually, I think I put 25 on it. 25 was, well, well, I emptied my bank account, my FanDuel account on this card. Had 10 bets in. Uh, the last bet was the Hail Mary parlay. I had five fighters on it, all hit. Uh, it was like plus 308 odds, so very happy with that. Um, nothing crazy. Took a lot of chalk. Had an underdog in there. I don't have it in front of me. I'll tell you guys what it is. But that's what I think I'm going to do moving forward. I think I'm going to do the pickums, put them on video, and then um, move forward. I'm going to start like maybe tweeting out parlays and stuff because I really build my bets on like Friday and Saturday. Like I do my picks, and I definitely pick who I want to pick. Um, but I really get down to the grit nitty gritty. When I tell you to pick somebody, I'm totally on that pick, but I also tell you, that's not someone I'm going to maybe bet, right? I'm going to say, here's my official pick. If you have a lean more than me, then you take it. But right now I think I'm going to avoid this. Like the Tabora Rothwell fight. I picked Rothwell, but I said, don't bet this fight. It's going to be a fuckery decision. One, it's going to be sloppy. And that's exactly what it was. It wasn't a fuckery decision. Tabora clearly won the fight, but Rothwell gassed. You know, a lot of people were on Rothboys. The uh, he was a prohibitive favorite, and a buddy of mine who was there lost seven dollars. He's very upset that he lost seven dollars. I mean, I told him I'll pay seven bucks, bud. Sorry. All right, so that's that. That was the card. Awesome. We got another good card this weekend. 
And uh, <clears throat> I'm excited. So we got to talk about some things, some things I haven't touched on. Um, so Leon Edwards, we'll start there. We'll start with Leon Edwards. Um, my question for you guys, who the fuck does this guy think he is, right? There are memes out there of, and if this was a video po- uh, video podcast right now, I'd pop it up on the screen, but bear with me. There are memes out there of all the fighters in the welterweight division and how many times they have fought since Leon Edwards has fought. And this guy continually, continually asks for a title shot, right? It's getting kind of frustrating because he's got a guy like Errol Hawani who's constantly bringing him up and making him relevant and stuff because Errol is... You know, in the back pocket of Paradigm's Paradigm, Paradigm, Paradigm Sports, or whatever the fuck they're called, he's he's rep by the same people that reps Connor. Um, so he's in the back pocket of him. But look, look, look at this guy's record. Okay, so he hasn't fought since July of 2019. He beat Rafael Dos It's a very solid win. Okay, one by decision. Then he fights Gunnar Nelson. Split decision. Gets dropped really bad in that fight. Four months earlier, you know, so he was fairly active in 2019. Fought Gunner, then four months later fought Rafael Dos Anjos. Rafael Dos Anjos. Gunner Nelson, you know, solid guy at 170. Probably not the best guy at 170. Good on the ground. Got dropped by an elbow in that fight, I believe, or did he drop Gunner? Can't remember. I think Gunner had him down. Don't really remember. Won a split decision, right? Can't remember which way it had it. Very unrememberable fight. Main event, Donald Cerrone. I believe this was in the Philippines. He won. He looked good. He busted up Donald Cerrone, uses striking, uses wrestling, overall game, a little unrememberable fight. Stops Peter Sabata, ground and pound. You say who? Yeah, the guy's retired now. Ground and pound to him in 2018. Fought Brian Barberina by decision. Definitely got dropped in that fight. I remember that fight. Came back and won. Decision. Vicente Luque, decision, 2017. Albert Tumanoff, who? Right. Rear naked choke. Dominique Waters, Unanimous decision and the Kamar Usman he lost. His only loss in the UFC was that his only loss in the UFC? No, excuse me. Claudio Silva's got him in his UFC debut by split. So this is a guy who's 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 obviously gotten a lot better, right? There's no doubt about it, right? He's definitely earned his ranking. But for him to say, oh, Kamaro needs a little more time. So Gilbert and Kamaro are gonna get pushed. And for him to say, Gilbert, let's fight for the number one contender. What? First off, Gilbert already is the number one contender. You don't want to know why? Because not only does he fight more actively, but he finishes fights. He's fighting the better competition. And he's the number one contender. He's the one stepping up and wanting to fight. How many fights did he step up on short notice and take? How many has Leon Umbers done? None, right? Now, listen, it's COVID, right? So I understand that. He was supposed to fight Tyler Willie in March in London or wherever in England. I know that fell apart. Listen, that's not his fault, whatever. But he has turned down Wonderboy. Hazmat Chemaev, he has turned down a lot of fights. Probably more than that that we don't know of. He's holding out for this title fight. Now, why would someone give Leon Edwards a title fight after I just read his resume? Yes, he's on a six-fight, seven-fight win streak, whatever. But he already lost to the champ. He lost to Kamaro, convincingly. Has he gotten better since that fight? Absolutely, but so has Kamaro. Why don't we get a fresh matchup where two teammates that used to train together fight? And a guy who's earned it in, in Burns. There's not many people out there that say Burns hasn't earned it. 
The only other person, in my opinion, that could probably lay claim to a title shot right now, besides Gilbert Burns, is Colby Covington. And that hurts me to say that. He looked fantastic against Tyron Woodley. He was in that fight. It was 2-2 going into the fifth with Kamaro. They have bad blood. They don't like each other. Um, that's the that's the fight to make if you're not going to go Gilbert Burns, not Leon Edwards. Leon Edwards needs to fight Jorge Masvidal. Leon Edwards needs to fight maybe Colby Covington. Actually, Tyron Woodley is a good one. Tyron Woodley, if you're not going to retire, fucking let Leon Edwards fight him. But now that now you're taking a step back. Step back. I'm just sick and tired. Of, I follow Leon on t- Twitter. I catch glimpses of Ariel pushing this guy, saying he deserves no more contender shot. Why would you, if you're Gilbert Burns, you didn't pull out of the fight. The fight you had to pull out because of COVID. Usman fought um, Jorge. You guys were supposed to fight in December. Now Usman needs a little extra time. He's got some lingering injuries. You are the certified number one contender. Dana White has said it. Why would you risk that fighting a guy like Leon Edwards, who is sitting back just waiting to be handed stuff? Why don't you fight Wonderboy? Wonderboy what? Top five, top six guy? Why don't you fight Wonderboy? A lot of people are like, why don't you fight Chumaya? Why don't you steal some of his shine? I can maybe understand him not wanting to fight Chimaev because that is risky. Chimaev unranked, a beast. A lot of people like him. It does have its upside because you do get to steal that shine. You get to go in there and be like, look, this guy doesn't belong in here with us. Fuck him. I just made him look easy, right? I think Leon Edwards, though, is, is acting silly right now. I got to imagine that his management company is getting a little frustrated with him. He is not a money fight. No one knows who he is. He is regional at best. Great record. I think he is a top fighter. I think he belongs in those rankings. However, when you haven't fought in all of 2020 and fights are getting presented to you and you're saying, nah, or you're going, why would I take that fight? Because you need to. Why would you take the Tyron Woodley fight in March? Get canceled because of COVID. Couldn't make it to America. Then you're then they're offering you Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, who's higher ranked. Then Tyron, and you're saying, why would I do that? You're acting like you won the Tyron fight. You didn't even fight him. The guy needs to fight and win. If you get another win, right, you beat another top guy like Wonder Boy. Uh, let me look at the rankings while we're at it. Because we're I said we're running long anyway, so fuck it. We got some time here. I had Chick-fil-A for dinner. It was fucking fantastic. Haven't had a little bit. Haven't had a little bit. Okay. So Leon Edwards is third, Burns is second, Colby's one. Usman's a champ. Leon, in my opinion, needs to fight Masvidal because they got some blood. He got three pieces in the soda. Stephen Thompson's the name that keeps jumping out at me. I would like to see a team Stephen Thompson fight. And really, you know, Maya's washed. I know he's six, but let's get Maya out of there. Neil Magny used to fight uh, Chemayev. I would actually like to see a Kiesa fight as well. I think Kiesa ranked eighth. I know that's a little step back. Leon's third. Leon's probably like, why am I going backwards? Fine. Go forward and fight Colby. Let Colby and Leon fight. If Colby and Jorge can't fight in December, Gilbert and Usman fight later in 2021, whenever that fight's going to happen. And then the winner of Colby Leon fights. George is the odd man out. If you can't make that, if you can't make that walk against Colby, let George fight Kiesa. Let George fight rematch Thompson. You know what I mean? There's a lot of options out there. 170 is a revolving door. There's guys coming up. Hazmat is not even ranked. Vincente Luque is on a little bit of a streak. Neil Magny is a guy you can't watch out. You got to look out for. Tyron Willie and uh, Damian Meyer, both six and seven. Both those guys are washed. Get them out of there. Anthony Pettis looks looked okay at one one fucking seventy. You got Nick Diaz coming back at one seventy. Jeff Neal, 
you know, that guy's a fucking beast that he can't get any fights. So 170 is looking pretty interesting right now, but really you got to keep your eye on the top five. Once you look past the top five, I think there's some guys that give some guys problems, but Thompson and up is very interesting to me. And then you got to add the wrinkle of, of Chemayev, even though he's only fought once at 170 against a fucking nobody. Um, a lot of people like them. They're hyping them up. Hype and entertainment is part of this business. Sometimes hype and entertainment trumps records and trumps rankings. Um, and that's just the way it is. And, and people get upset about that. I understand it. Chemayev's the hot guy right now. He's 3-0 in the UFC. He's got a little marketability around him. Dana's talking him up. He's fucking destroying everybody. He's bouncing up in weight classes. He wants to fight every weekend. There's a lot to like. So when you got a guy that's a lot to like, rankings don't matter right but the guys that are in the rankings don't want to step out of the rankings like why am i gonna fight this guy the minute shamaya fights anybody in the top 10 i think he deserves a top 10 opponent unless you're jeff neal jeff neal's at 12 i wouldn't mind that fight the minute shamaya fights these guys he's automatically gonna get ranked so you might as well fight him now if if you're a good matchup for him i think stephen wonderboy thompson would be a great matchup for him but i don't see that fight happening but anyway i'm tired of leon edwards i'm fucking sick of him you got to fight, bro. You have to quit turning down fights, and you have to fight. You're not getting a title shot. I don't care how much Aero Hawani sucks your dick. You're not getting a title shot without fighting, and those are just facts. Hard truth facts. Uh, another big development was Connor, Connor McGregor and Dustin uh, Poirier. Weeks ago, two weeks ago, whenever, they talked about how they want to do something for charity because Connor wasn't getting in the fight for the UFC that he wanted. Dustin Poirier has a good fight foundation. He and Connor guaranteed he, he donated 500 K or whatever. They decided to do an exhibition MMA bout in Ireland. And then UFC got one of them and was like, Oh, if you guys want to fight, just do it in the UFC and we'll make a donation to both of your charities. Fuck it. We want to get you in there. So then Danny came out or someone came out and said, we're looking at next year for that fight early 21. And then, uh, Connor said, no, no, no. I got to fight November, December. Fuck this next year stuff. I've been looking for a fight. Regardless of how you feel about Conor McGregor, if you hate him, if you love him or whatever, I will say, and I will defend him on this, he seems that he wants to fight. The holdup is, is the UFC wants to make as much money as they can from Conor. And I understand that, right? There's no live gate, right? So you're getting away ticket sales. Pay-per-view sales are going to be off the charts, so you can make probably over $100, $115 million off pay-per-view sales, right, if Connor's on the card for sure. And the only issue is, 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 is Connor still demanding 30K or 30 mil? Or can we work something out where it's like 15 mil, then we'll give you some back end, or we owe you one when fans come back? Something like that, right? Dustin Poirier fight, command event, anything. Command event, a pay-per-view, command event, anywhere. They fought before. Rematch, probably going to be 170 pounds. I like the rematch. I like this fight for both guys. I think Dustin earns an incredible payday. I think they need a rematch because the first fight had a lot of bad blood. It was at 145. They're both different fighters now. Connor isn't as active as he was back then. Dustin is way more active. Put on a little size to him. Hasn't really been knocked out since. I know Michael Johnson got him. But besides that, he's fought high-level competition. Hasn't been knocked out. Looked really good in the Dan Hooker fight. They're going to come out slanging and banging. They're both going to come out fucking punching each other. It's going to be a fantastic fight. You got to book that for the UFC. I believe it's going to happen in December. No fights are signed yet. Connor's currently training. Kavanaugh's teased some stuff on his Twitter. Dustin's in Florida, which means he's training camp. I see December happening. I see mid-December. I think December 19th is, is what Kavanaugh teased. I like that. Connor Dustin needs to happen. I like the fight. It makes sense. 
Um, you know, as much as you want to talk shit about Connor, Connor could have waited until next year. UFC could have promoted it and maybe went somewhere like Texas or Florida where they can pack uh, fans in there, even though it might be not safe right now. But they could they could have done that. They could have went and got the the gate next year sometime. But Connor's like, fuck that, dude. I've been wanting to fight this whole time. Um, so hopefully they iron that out. Hopefully that happens. Nothing changes because I really want to see that fight. Speaking about fights, uh, Islam needs a fight. Islam Makachev, uh, his opponent fell out for um, UFC two weeks. UFC two uh, week, excuse me, a week from this Saturday. Excuse me, on the twenty fourth, Khabib Justin Card. A lot of people are saying Michael Chandler, you're weighing in. Why don't you fight him? Chandler kind of responded, said, "I don't really know who he was. I don't really think it's smart to take the fight." A lot of people are, are saying, "Well, you're not ranked, so what's going on?" Chandler's got a lot of hype with him. Former champion coming in. Yeah, he's not ranked. He's not ranked because he hasn't fought in the UFC yet, right? Islam, I think, is a bad matchup for him, right? I think, honestly, from a business standpoint, I don't know who his management is. I think that might be... It's going to be a tough look because you're going to weigh in anyway. You got to make weight. You're going to be on Fight Island. You're going to hear some shit from Ali and other people saying, well, why don't you just fight Islam? Why don't you fight Islam? It might be a pretty good warm-up fight to get ready for a guy like Khabib, but also you're risking a lot. So it's, you know, I don't really know. I don't know how, how well Michael Chandler's training. Is he in Florida? Is he in Nashville? Because I know he does the Sanford MMA. Hopefully he's training because he's got to make weight and potentially get a title fight. Um, I feel like Chandler would be perfectly okay coming in, losing to a guy like Khabib, his debut fight, or Gaethje, his debut fight, and then just going, you know what? I wasn't ready yet. I'll be ready for the next one. Coming in and losing to a guy like Islam, if he loses, right? That's a lot of pressure on you. That's a lot. It's a risky fight. This is a business. I understand it, but it's a tough look when you're weighing in and you got a guy in your weight class who's got a little hype around him. A lot of people like Islam, you know, right? He's only got one loss in UFC. Um, you know, he's staring right at you and you're like, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't want to take the fight. I actually tweeted last night and I think this is a perfect fight. I don't know how in shape Drew Dober is, but Drew Dober has been calling out Islam. One of the few guys that calls out Islam. Why doesn't Drew Dober fight Islam? That's that's what needs to happen. Drew Dober, Islam, they're both kind of right there ranked. I would love that fight. That fight needs to happen. I don't know if Dober can get in shape. Uh, maybe do it at 170. I mean, I know it's kind of a week away. I do think Dober has a fight lined up, doesn't he? Isn't he fighting somebody? I want to say Oliveira, too. Charles Oliveira will be a great fight for him, too. But again, I don't know. That guy's not like a short nose guy to me. I feel like he's he won't take that fight on short notice. I feel like Dober has a matchup already. I didn't like it. Yeah, Diego Ferrar. I actually love it. What am I talking about? He's fighting in November against Diego Ferrar, so that's a great matchup. So, But, you know, maybe Dober's training. I, You know, they're both dangerous fights. Diego presents problems just like Islam does. Islam's more of a smothering guy. You're probably not going to get finished by him, but, you know, he's going to fucking make you work in there. Just some thoughts. All right, so we're going to end with Scott Van Pelt. So Scott Van Pelt, didn't have didn't have nice things to say about MMA in general about the knockout. So Scott Van Pelt's a guy I actually really like. He hosts a late night sports center or something like that. Or I don't really know what he does. The number one clip has 10 million, 10 million views right now and counting. And so he had to talk about it on a show was the Hakeem Buckley uh, knockout over Impa. And he his soundbite was, I get that people love it. I don't. I don't love that. The guy's out, mashes head on the ground. Yay. In a very, very condescending tone. This is a guy that works for ESPN. ESPN has partnership with the UFC. Not a great look. I sent out a tweet. Um, let's see what my elegant ass said. I sent out a tweet. I said, uh, 
I like SVP and I saw his comments about it. The incredibly, the incredible, I misspelled that fuck KO Buckley KO. I get it. It's not for everybody. I don't advocate this sport to be for everybody, but it was his tone that threw me off. He watches football, which is riddled with head trauma. Don't love the hypocrisy, which is absolutely true. He covers football and, and I believe he addresses in this article. He says, well, they don't do highlight reels where guys are getting knocked unconscious. Uh, yeah, they do. And they show him getting wheeled out as well. They show that. Uh, Dak Prescott's ankle was mangled, right? They showed it once, but they showed him wheeled out, getting crying. ESPN retweeted that 100 times, right? That guy just lost a season. Heartbreaking stuff. His ankle, he had to have surgery. Impa's going to be okay, right? Yeah, he got concussed. He got knocked out part of the game. Guys get concussed all the time in football. So it's kind of a weird thing where you're advocating for football and these crazy hits and how awesome it was. And then, you know, and then this thing is so appalling to you. So people... People went at him. Luke Thomas. I'm not going to read Luke Thomas. So Scott responded to Luke. Luke, the sport has grown on me and the people in the sport are compelling as hell. I was talking only about the sight of a man on his feet, falling and hitting his head. Being called a bitch all morning is par for the course. It's a passionate fan beast. And then Luke responded again. It's Twitter. You get what you get. It was a tremendous KO. No doubt. What about football? I'm sure a lot of people have the same argument that I had. There's a reason segments like jacked up long, uh, jacked up long ago went away. It's still violent, but the highlight of an unconscious player wouldn't be shown like it's something to be celebrated. Wrong. Absolutely. It's being shown. I have seen countless times where they show Vontez Burfick hitting Antonio Brown coming across the middle in the playoff game back in like 2016. They show that shit all the time. So that's wrong, right? You're wrong. And then, uh, Ian Parker from the fucking, this fucking idiot from the, um, from uh, yeah, and the Florida podcast, he said highlights of boxing chaos are acceptable, though. Scott retweet, uh, responded, MMA chaos are acceptable. I thought last night's fall was unusual. There's a reason everyone is freaking out about it. It was an incredible KO. You don't often see a man truly out like that. But to your point, last week's the, the boxer, Barakachik, fall was bad, scary, and was more, and he was more in distress. And then there's a clip that someone pulled, someone pulled receipts on him from an old boxing match where someone got knocked down. Scott, I'm not going to play the clip because my, my, I don't want to audio clip it and get pulled down or whatever. But basically, it was a long time ago and Scott was celebrating a guy getting knocked down in boxing. Someone pulled that and said, I present to you Scott Van Pelt. And Scott said, tis true. I said that. Now, the three-minute dance he did prior to that led to us laughing to, at the KO. But you're right. I said it. And this goes on and on. And he is And he is addressing it. And, uh, and he's standing by it. Now, listen, I don't get offended that he doesn't like MMA and it's not for him or whatever. That's completely fine. It's not for everybody. I don't advocate it for everybody, right? My, my, my family doesn't like it. My, my wife tolerates it, but no one in my immediate family really likes it. It's not, um, it's not something that we, we watch together. My father doesn't like it. You know, it's something that I'm really only into. So I do not advocate, and I'm not a, a guy that really pushes it down people's throat. Now, what Van Pelt said is a little odd because of the position he's in. That's it. If he was a regular Joe with a Twitter account, sure. But he's on primetime late night sports center, and he's using a condescending tone, right? Now, if he said, what an incredible knockout, don't love the way he fall, fell, hopefully Impa's okay, it's a little different. But the fact that he doesn't even know his name, doesn't even know anything about the fighter, Simply the way he fell and he used it in a condescending tone. And in today's world where everyone's becoming so soft, it just, it's not a good look for me. I didn't like the way he said it. Again, this is a guy that really likes Scott Van Pelt. He goes on part of my take all the time. He's a cool guy. I like him on the, on sports center, but you know what? This is a golf guy. This is a guy that used to announce golf and covers golf. He's a basketball guy. 
He's not an MMA guy. None of these sports center guys are MMA guys, right? It's a newer sport. He's a little older. I get it, right? But it's the position that you're in, right? That's why people get so mad at Donald Trump. Donald Trump says some crazy shit that if a regular guy said, no one really cared. But since it came from the president of the United States, everyone's like, fuck this guy, you know, because he's got pull. He's got clout. Scott Van Pelt, probably the longest anchor on SportsCenter. It's got a lot of views. A lot of people watch his show. A lot of people take in what he says. And the, the tone that he used was just, to me, was just unacceptable considering ESPN constantly shows broken ankles, broken legs. It happens in basketball, happens in football. To me, fucking three-hour surgery, getting screws and plates put in your leg, that maybe might not be right for the rest of your life, like an Alex Smith type deal. You ran a whole documentary on Alex Smith with a guy getting concussion. You know, when concussions happen almost every fucking game in football, they just don't report it. I know they're doing a better job, but let's be honest, they just don't report it. So it's the hypocrisy is there. I understand that MMA is a violent sport. We're not fucking baking cupcakes. It is what it is. It's not for everybody. I get it. I'm not going to attack Scott Van Pelt. I just simply t- tweeted him and addressed the hypocrisy that was involved. Um, and I didn't like that. I didn't like how, you know, boxing's okay and, and, and football's okay. And, and when you break your leg in other sports and, and NASCAR wrecks and all these things that are dangerous are okay, yet MMA, which is a new kid on the block, and a lot of people don't understand yet, get shit on a little bit. That that kind of that that triggers me triggers me a little bit. I got triggered. So um, again, I like Scott Van Pelt, and and I think he's kind of walking it back. I think he's realizing that people are coming at him now. Obviously, people are coming at him, so he's trying to walk it back a little bit, which I guess I respect a little bit. I don't lose respect for him. I don't care. I'm not going to shout insults at him or whatever. But I just think when you're in that position. You kind of got to, you know, this isn't dog fighting. This isn't, these are two high level athletes and you got to credit Buckley landing a once in a lifetime kick like that, that he's probably trained a handful of times or he's trained a million times, right? It's one of those things. It was a freak thing. We're not going to see a kick like that for a long time. And yeah, Impa fell and hit his head and it was, it was devastating. It was knocked out. That's part of the game. I understand that, but don't take away the shine with Buckley. And I think that's what what it kind of did a little bit. Now more people are talking about that. More people are mad about that and appreciating the crazy knockout. All right, so we went an hour one. I told you we're going long today, boys. All right, so that's the show. Um, I'll be back this week with Pickums for this weekend. Ortega, Korean Zombie, great card. Love the card. Looking at the board now. I see two unders. I see two unders that I might like. I'm going to play it. Uh, I think my boy Timbo is going to be on with me. I think we're going to do a little pick We... We tied last time him and I went head to head. He's walking around acting like he's the king. Need to take that crown back. All right. I'll talk to you this week. Bye. Woo! Hey, pal, do me a favor. Get her down off there. What do you say? Woo! I say let her dance. Woo! 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 Come on, baby. Woo! Hey, look, pal, we don't want to. Come on, motherfucker. Back. Come on. Escort this gentleman to the door. Do you see that shit? Who is that guy? He's good. He's real good. The name is Dalton.